Thank you for downloading the Talk Filming to Me Endgame Spoiler Special. Now, it goes without saying, we're about to go into absolute spoilerific detail over Marvel's latest cinematic endeavour. So if you've not seen this film, stop right now. I'll, I'll give you a second. Right, they're gone? Good, I hated those guys. Why'd they download a spoiler special and not actually see the film? Anyway, this podcast is going to be broken into two parts. One is going to be with me and Thomas Woods, where we're going to be talking about our favourite parts from the film, some things that we've interpreted from that movie, some facts that have come out since the film's release, and just general fandom about that. And part of that narrative is actually what we think the future of the MCU is going to be, and that leads us into the second part. Um, I was fortunate enough to catch up with Helen O'Hara from Empire to talk about what she believes is the next sort of phase of development and we kind of talk about what we think that might look like going forward. We've been really struggling to figure out where to edit that interview into this podcast special because narratively we'll be talking about what we believe the future of the MCU is going to be probably about an hour 20, hour 30 in on this podcast. But you don't have someone like Helen O'Hara and bury that one hour 30 in. So for that reason alone, we're going to put that interview right at the front. And So I think I've covered all ground rules. Anyway, sit back, relax, turn the headphones up to 11 and enjoy in a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts you have to ask yourself what's the harm in one more two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions talk at you Talk Filmy to me. We are absolutely honoured to have Helen back on the Talk Filmy to me podcast. How are you doing, Helen? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm still going through the seven stages of grief from this film. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're you're doing the same. You're fresh off of your live spoiler special you recorded last night. Was it recorded? Is that is that going to be released or is that just for the people in the room? Uh, I think it's going to be released. We, we went back and forth on it a bit, but I think we're currently on the probably releasing it track ah nice nice and obviously from monday as the russo said that's official spoiler territories we're allowed to start talking about it now and so amazing and so what i wanted to talk to you about why i've got you over skype at the moment is obviously there's so many twists and turns in this film so many people have left the mcu or maybe written out of the mcu or given a a send-off in some size, shape or form. But obviously that begs the question, what is the future for the MCU? We know there are certain contracts that have expired, some that have options to renew. And just wanted to gather your thoughts on where you think we're going for the next phase of films. Well, I think it's interesting. I think it's definitely a new phase, um, for sure, because, uh, you know, as you say, you know, Donnie Jr., you know, this is a spoiler, right? We can talk about this. Donnie Jr. Yeah, yeah, is, by all means. has bowed out Chris Evans... It looks to have bowed out. They've been they've been a bit cagey on that. I think they're being cagey because I think he might turn up for a little cameo in Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier, possibly in that old Steve makeup. I, I don't think we're going to see a huge amount of Captain America, Chris Evans, uh, from here on in. But I, I could be wrong. I mean, they are very tricksy and they do they do sometimes mislead us. Um, but I think what they're going to be focusing on now is building on some of the characters that they have already established, many of them to great success so far and getting us to care so much about those guys that we don't miss the old ones. So, you know, we've, uh, we love, I think Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Dr. Strange, even um, those have been successful. And I feel like they're, they're going to be working on making the, the second films for those guys super good and getting uh, to, you know us to fall in love with them as hard as we did for you know 
for Cap and the Winter Soldier or as hard as we did for Iron Man 3. You know, they're going to be kind of working to build those up to the same degree of popularity that the old guys had. Um, and I think if they can do that, then we're in for a really exciting phase four. And of course, we've still got, you know, Guardians, as Guardians maybe of the Galaxy 3, <laughs> Um, which seems pretty cool. I think, you know, we've got, they've announced the Eternals, they've announced Shang-Chi, they've announced all these new ways to get us interested and keep our attention. And uh, they've got all these Disney Plus shows, which may or may not feed back into the films. You know, th there's a lot. And, and if anything, there's, there's far more than there was at any previous stage in the Marvel Universe. Mm. But that does give them a whole lot of options in terms of, where they go next in terms of what stories they want to tell. Um, I don't think we'll see another, you know, huge event like Endgame anytime soon. I think that's yeah. at least a phase or two away. But this next phase, I think, is going to be really interesting in, in terms of just how they can consolidate these new people, what they can do with them, and what they might be setting up for the future in those post-credit stings and those little throwaway lines. Um you know, could we? And also, of course, you know, they do have Fox now. That is now mm. back in the Marvel stable. So we could down the line. And I don't think this is short term. I think this is more than five years away. But we're, we're you know, we're opening the door at some point in the future to X-Men. We're opening the door to the Fantastic Four coming back. You know, there are options that have not previously been available that could be available in the next couple of phases. So, you know. As long as Kevin Feige's there with a plan and they keep doing this well on casting and they keep hiring filmmakers and giving them chances to kind of, you know, do crazy things like in Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy, then I think we're in for some really exciting times. Yeah, agreed. Um, just thinking about that list of names you went through there, you think, Jesus Christ, that's a that's yeah. a phase in movies in itself, right? Of just just doing these sequels, let alone yeah. introducing the new characters, which they're talking about. Do you remember back when I think it was in twenty fourteen when mm -hmm. they done that big press conference and they got that amazing sprawling map of this is what your pop culture is going to look like for the next uh, five years. Yeah. And obviously there were some twists and turns. Obviously, Inhumans, let's not, not talk about that. And um, <laughs> there was a couple of uh, announcements which didn't necessarily go in the, the right ordering. I even think back to when um, Winter Soldier was originally announced under a different title and they obviously iterated on that. Do you think we're ever going to get that moment again for Phase 4, for example, maybe at a Comic-Con or a D23 where mm. they stand there and say, this is what the future looks like moving forward? They seem to kind of want to shy away from that, but do you think we'll come back to that? Yeah, I think they did that for stock market reasons, uh, honestly, rather than for artistic <laughs> reasons. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like yeah. the, the, the thing they were, they, I think they were probably certainly pressured into that by Disney because I don't think Kevin Feige would announce very much left to himself. Um, I think he was probably under a little bit of pressure to prove to the the stock the shareholders that there's a plan here that they, they are capitalizing on these characters, that there are big things coming, you know. So and I think I genuinely think that's the only reason they officially announced Spider Man Far From Home. I don't think, you know, there's no artistic reason to do that because they kept telling us he was dead and we're like, we're looking at the release schedule and we know he's not, you know. He's, um, we've got evidence here in a trailer. You've just dropped a trailer. Exactly. And I think that one, the only reason, you know, we knew about that one is obviously it's a shared pr production with Sony and Sony could quite rightly say, dudes, we have to announce to people that this film is coming, you know. Um, <laughs> we've got a whole marketing team and everything, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, I, so I feel like... Uh, 
they have been cagey up until now. It could be that at Comic-Con this year or at, you know, some other event in the near future, we get that kind of announcement again. It's possible. Um, they may be now again under pressure to prove that Marvel exists beyond Robert Downey Jr., you know. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like Kevin Feige on his own would rather leave us fairly in the dark, like a little mm. bit under-informed because that you know, better allows them to surprise us and to, you know, keep play things close to the vest and then suddenly unleash them at the last minute. And uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure there will be some kind of announcement soon, but I just, I feel like he'd rather there wasn't. That's all. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're right on that. Um, but I have to have to ask you now, since you mm. brought up Sony, um, and I'm probably going to butcher the name here. I think, was her name, is her name Amy Pascal, who was in charge yep. of Sony Marvel relationship? She, uh, I think I read the other day that she's going to be stepping back from her role. Do you think this is going to impact the, the Marvel-Sony relationship in terms of Spider-Man, or do you think that's that's too cemented to be impacted by that? Oh, I think, I think that's now governed entirely by contract. I, I mean, fair play to both studios i think that was an incredible piece of negotiation just you know the the lawyers fees alone must have been half the budget of <laughs> of spider-man homecoming i think it was uh it was a huge huge step for any studio to to share a property like that with another one um, and i think it was the right decision for the character and i think it was the right decision for um the universe because i think it was kind of clear from the amazing spider-man 2 certainly and and some of the projects that sony announced after that it felt like they didn't really know what they wanted to do with this character you know um mm. and i think they they did absolutely the right thing they're like let's get a piece of that marvel um not just money but let's get a piece of that marvel expertise with these characters let's get a piece of what kevin feige is doing at marvel uh, let's get him involved and I think that has been a hugely um, successful uh, strategy, frankly, to have done. So, like, full credit for that um, to Amy Pascal for, for taking that risk. Because if that hadn't worked out, you know, you can absolutely imagine Sony's shareholders calling for her head on a plate. Why have you given away one of the crown jewels kind of things? Um, but that deal, I think, has worked out really, really well for both parties. I do think that there's a there's obviously Spider-Man in the future. If you think about how how well every endeavor is done out of that, from into mm. the Spider-Verse to into obviously the the Sony movies as well. Now they made an active choice in this film in Endgame that the last people to speak to Tony um, in his dying moments, yeah. obviously Pepper to bookend that yeah. story, but it wasn't it wasn't Rhodey, uh, it wasn't Cap, it was it was Spider-Man, and well, it I was think Rhodey that's a clear well. intention. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, but the, the person who who yeah. made the, the, I suppose, that real emotional connection there yeah, was, yeah. Uh, was was Spider-Man, and it kind of shows the, um, I suppose, the direction that they intend to go with this. And you talked about potentially maybe having Avengers uh, movies again down the line. Mm. I think almost the whole five-year time jump is almost like a deliberate play of saying, it's going to be at least five years, guys, before it is that moment of that awesome shot mm. of them all together. Uh, do you think, uh, first of all, that Spider-Man is going to inherit that Iron Man leadershipy sort of role? And uh, uh, if you could pick your, and I, I, I appreciate it, I'm just putting you on the spot of this. Yeah. If you could pick your ultimate Avengers stage four lineup, uh, <laughs> what would you like to see in them in that pair up? Um, so I don't think it'll be Spider-Man in the leadership role, actually. I think it will be, I think it'll be the Doctor Strange or Captain Marvel on the lineup we currently know about. 
I think right, Doctor yeah. Strange, that Captain Marvel, or Black Panther has more natural leadership than Spider-Man. Not to say that he couldn't lead, just that he does not put himself forward that way. Um, so I, do, I don't see him taking the leadership um, role. Um, but I just think he'll be Spider-Man. I think it'll be a different dynamic. Um, I think actually all three of those guys I've just mentioned are pretty much used to being leaders in their own way. So there might be some tension there um, unless we get somebody else in who's able to play peacemaker and, and sort of go between and effectively end up the leader because none of the, leader, the, none of the other leaders want to argue with each other, um, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a few years away, but I think it's definitely going to be, well, I think it's likely to be on what we now know, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, um, I don't know if the Guardians will drop in or not. It depends if it is kind of cosmic or if it's Earthbound. Uh, presumably Shang-Chi will be in there. Um, we don't know really I, much about him. I have to confess those are not comics that I have particularly read, although I'm, I'm planning to in the near future. Um, and I don't know if some of the sort of TV people will come back. I don't know if Hawkeye returns, you know. it depend, I have no idea what that TV show is going to be, so it's really hard to say. Equally, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier... Falcon has the Captain America shield now. If he takes up that mantle officially, he would do very well in the role I just suggested of the sort of go-between between between those big Mm. egos. Um, I think he'd be be brilliant at that because I think he's really quietly powerful um, and quietly sort of, you know, uh, uh, self-effacingly good at dealing with, you know, people. Uh, So... So yeah, I'm just excited. I'm I'm really interested to see where it goes, and I I'm quite enjoying having no real idea. Uh, you know, yeah. we always kind of had a vague idea what they were planning. Um, we were sometimes dead wrong in terms of like I don't think anybody really expected the snap at the end of Infinity War, but um, but we always had an idea that you know it was about the glove, it was about the Infinity Stones, it was about Thanos. Um, so it's kind of exciting to just really not know where they could go next. Oh, I completely agree. And I love this time where it's just nothing but speculation yeah. and reading into every little detail and hearing and all of a sudden the fake news starts dropping of, oh, this person's extended their contract or this person's doing this. And some yeah. of it's true, some of it's not. And some of it is all to do with the fandom. And I think that's that's a great, great time. And uh, yeah, I kind of hope, although I'd love to obviously see that treasure map of this is where the future is going to go. But at the same time, I'm kind of liking the idea of um, they're not, they're not thinking that, or they, they are obviously behind the scenes, but they're not projecting where they think they're going to go. And I love the fact that everyone spent ages listening to that post-credit sound at the end of Endgame. And yeah. my understanding is that is just an audio clip from Iron Man in tribute yeah. to kind of say, look, he started this and this is this is the conclusion. It's not the end, it's just this conclusion of this chapter. Exactly. And I just love that. Um, well, on that note, Helen, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate you're busy at the moment, and uh, and I'm sure after the millionth hour of talking Endgame, you want to talk <laughs> some more Endgame. So thank you so much. We can't wait to have you back on the pod, and uh, enjoy your bank holiday. P- pleasure. Thanks very much, and you too. general pop culture but today we are going to talk about Endgame yes the combination of 22 movies 11 years 3 hours and a shitload of tears dread it run from it 
like Destiny, it still arrives. Yes, this is that spoiler special. And joining me on this pod is not only the guy that I've done the Infinity War spoiler special with, but two weeks ago, we also done a bank holiday special, just basically hypothesizing about what this film is. Thomas Woods, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, no, really good, pal. Thank you for having me back. I'm uh, looking forward to this one. Oh, my days, mate. I have literally been... It, I feel like I've been going through the seven stages of grief. So um, everyone who has watched this film and just wants to hear people talk about the repercussions and things that happened and relive some of those moments, this is your church. You are here. Church is in session. Woods, everyone knows my opinion if they listen to the podcast. I fucking loved it. But Woods, what was your, what was your opinion of this film? So obviously last year uh, we, we spoke about um, Infinity War. And at that time, I declared that Infinity War would be the best movie I would see in 2018. And I believe I was correct. Um, I came out of this movie and personally, I thought that I enjoyed this movie more, which I know isn't quite the most popular opinion, but genuinely, I absolutely loved it. It was perfect, Mm. perfect. Bearing in mind what they had to do which seemed like an almost impossible job to follow up on Infinity War. They nailed it. I don't know how they nailed it, but they nailed it. I think I completely concur with that. I think the way they've done this was, this is a, if you think about all the films that have come before, all 21 movies, they're all looking forward. It's all about, this is the narrative point, something's going to happen and our character's going to be uh, moving towards this direction. And we kind of knew that there was this direction with Thanos at the end of Avengers when they first teased that and this whole saga was going to unfold after it. This movie is not about looking forward. It's actually about looking back. It's about having those one-time moments you could relive again and again. It does it in terms of narrative. It does it in terms of character development. It does it in terms of characters' endings. And it's really fucking emotional. Even though there are some genuine moments of pure levity and comedy, there's some real heartstring moments. I think I must have... I've got no shame in saying this. I think I fucking cried like three times in this film. <laughs> I, 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 you, get, you feel they're welling up. There was definitely welling up going on there. It's, it's a case that... Um, the, the closest I've been to actually crying in a cinema I was actually not in a cinema, I was on a plane watching Toy Story 3, but I got pretty close to that in this movie. Oh, mate, I was... I was Even with the bits I've already seen in trailers and shit, so, like, you know the the scene with Tony on the ship and he's recording that uh, that message to Pepper? Yeah. And I couldn't help but be a nerd and go back and watch those trailers pretty much straight after seeing this film. It is a completely different recording. The recording he's done in the film is far more emotional, far more, like, upsetting. And when he's just, like... Like you, 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 your throat is feeling a lump in it when he's talking through like how he really wanted to come back and then just how he undercuts that with a well move on but you know have a couple of weeks feeling a bit <laughs> bugging, you know, to be, I was just like oh that was that was beautiful and um, I suppose another tearjerker moment I thought in this film was uh, when he actually got to speak to his dad and yeah. uh, you think about all those daddy issues which literally has built the character up Absolutely, his own yeah. dad says to him, "My own, uh, my own intentions sometimes don't necessarily um, are the same as the greater good, for lack of a better. I can't remember the exact words, but essentially saying that I'm a bit of a scumbag, and I know I am, and uh, sometimes that's not necessarily about the greater good. And that's kind of Tony, right? He started out on that journey, and at the end of it, even when do you remember we talked about this in our bank holiday bit about the friction between him and Cap has always been there, and yep. there's one specific line where he says." would you ever throw yourself down on the grenade for another man? And he was just like, I'd 
to be honest, I'd rather figure out how to cut the wire. And uh, he literally... <laughs> Well, he literally does throw himself on the grenade. Like yeah. they, they, they personified that with, um, with Smart Banner saying this is basically a gamma bomb. And again, how they do that, that tying in of I was made to do this. I was made. I was born yeah. out of gamma radiation. In fact, the reason why you even recruited me to be an Avenger in that first film was because of my knowledge on gamma radiation and tra- uh, tracking down the Tesseract. So I was built to click this, but this was my destiny sort of thing. And... Uh, you, so you know this is a bomb and you you completely forget because that scene where he gets the the glove and you know however he does it iron man magic of telling that gauntlet to release the stones to go into <laughs> his hand and then you're just like yes tony yes and then he just goes i am iron man just to bookend his whole journey and snap his fingers and you go yes and then all of a sudden you then realize no, this is going to kill you. <laughs> and uh, just, again, the moments come in where... Um, uh, the f- and again, yeah, we'll talk about this in terms of how we're setting up the future for the MCU, but they chose that the last two people for Tony to see and converse with. And I don't even think he conversed. I, don't, I, I think that's actually the last words he says. It's just... They oh, are. He, he doesn't say anything after that, does he? Because he's probably not feeling too hot at that point. Yeah, he's dying of gamma radiation. But um, it's it's Spider-Man and Pepper. Now, Pepper, for obvious reasons, that she was there at the start of it and she will yeah. be there at the end of it. But it's not Cap. It's not Bucky. Uh, it's not... Uh, it's Well, I suppose it'll be fucking weird if it was Bucky, to be fair. You killed my mom. Fuck you. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it's not Cap. It's not... Um, it's not... Oh, God, what's his name? It's not War Machine. War Machine, it's yeah. That, yeah, it's, it's, it's not... Jarvis somehow it's 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 Spider-Man because he I believe is going to be one of the torchbearers going forward with this franchise that's pretty obvious but also and another character moment um, which again like I was already pretty much crying at this point but uh, if you think about Tony's arc from the moment Avengers hit was something is coming and I don't think I'm going to be able to deal with this and it to the point where Avengers 2 is all about that is that how do I how do I figure this out and I've got an idea the way the only thing I know how I tinker I build I and he built Ultron and that all those things that happened and what happens over the course of phase 3 is all about you know this intention to protect everyone so the last thing and I hope I I like to believe that this was the last thing he heard was Pepper Potts saying to him it's okay Tony we're going to be okay and I was yeah. fucking crying at that point, man. So I was just like, oh, my, that's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. She, he just wanted to make us safe. Yeah, because instead of saying I love you and all this and kind of whimpering, it, she, she basically said it's okay to let go now because yeah. he's never been able to let go of being Iron Man. Yeah, It consumed exactly. him because of that, wanting to keep everyone safe. That was the thing, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I've completely gone. I went straight into the, the Iron Man's fucking journey, but that was that was so prominent for me in that that narrative. Yes, the original six, in my opinion, all got great cast offs. Uh, some of them probably better than others, but they've all got their conclusions to this. And the only way they've done this is through this amazing narrative of time travel. We we kind of called it in our spoiler special, although it wasn't necessarily impossible to to guess I think everyone fucking guessed it anyway at that point but still they use time travel as their their way of doing how did you feel about this whole concept of you know what everything that we've been sort of bred in pop culture they even have that funny scene where they <laughs> go through every single film that has uh, time travel in and basically completely turn it on its head what was your your take on that 
I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, they had, it was difficult because obviously I'm no time travel expert um, and how it all works, but they obviously had to keep in mind that going back couldn't change what's happened. If that made, mm. makes any sense. So they, they obviously had to nip that in the bud and obviously say, look, this isn't back to the future. That's not how time travel works. And I thought it was very clever to use something that the audience knows and understands and basically say, that's not how it works here. Uh, yeah. So we could, you know, you just basically at that point go, okay, that's not how it's going to work in this universe and that's fine and move on. I know that maybe some people are being a bit pickier with it. Um, I've taken the approach of, I'm just going movies. to yeah, suspend yeah, exactly. It's a movie. I'm <laughs> fucking enjoying this, and I'm gonna like suspend any kind of feelings towards this time travel and just accept it. Yeah, I've been kind of turning in knots a little bit because I think about paradoxes and all that sort of shit. And uh, Jamie, our boy Jamie Hannon, um, unfortunately wasn't feeling too good. He was basically on this as well. But if you're listening, buddy, hope you feel better soon. Um, me and him been talking about this at length because Jamie's a physicist and he obviously. Uh, has a bit of knowledge on the theoretical science in some of this and he said one thing that kind of blew my mind out of all this so for those of you who who aren't aware the kind of gripes everyone's got is everyone can agree that yes okay there are these six stones that are sitting in six different times and if you travel back in time and remove that stone you have created a splinter reality and you even have that scene where you've got uh, hulk with the ancient one which by the way absolutely unbelievable unveil like fuck me i didn't think she was going to be back in it that was a no. great surprise yeah when she and was there don't... in the battle then in uh, new york which was also yeah. not something that we would have been aware of until this going back to new york moment happened well a lot of people keep saying actually and it's quite nice how they've done this in a way but also it shows the characters a bit of a fucking asshole to go you can't keep introducing these characters and saying they've been here all along if You've had the Battle of New York. You've had London fucking destroyed. You've had all these countless battles happening. And where were they then? And basically, the ancient one was just like, fuck you, I'm on my balcony. I'm protecting my house. But as far as everything else is concerned, <laughs> fucking leave them to it. Um, but during that scene where she explains, okay, essentially, and we said this, we wanted a Back to the Future style time explainer where it wasn't on a whiteboard but it might as well have been of explaining this is the timeline if you take the infinity stone from here you are causing a different reality that is not going to impact your future or your past but it's affecting me from now on and essentially the way they bookends this so they don't have lots of splinter realities which again i'll touch upon this later on when we talk about the future of the mcu Um, captain america goes back and returns each of the stones now a few things that pop up. First of all, how fucking dope would it be to have either a film or a a one-off TV show where it's just Captain America going back to these different time periods and putting the stones back? How fucking oh, cool that! Oh, be? it'd be wicked. It'd be great. Um, you could just do a kind of a, a small six-episode series, right? Like kind of a Netflix or um, obviously with Disney with their own um, network coming out later this year. That'd be an ideal thing to have, right? Oh, that'd be incredible. The only thing thing is, though, I can, I, can, I can understand how he returns the Tesseract. That makes sense. in the Mind Stone. That's easy enough. Just go back to New York and drop him back off. How the fuck's he going to go to Volomir and give the, stone, the, the Soul Stone back? Yeah. And if he gives it back and it's a soul for a stone, does he get a soul back in return for doing it? Ooh. And is that how you can get Natasha back involved? Don't know. Well, that would be something that we can find out in the TV series we've just created. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marvel just, um, just sent us It's interesting checks. what you say about the Tesseracts, because obviously, 
I'm not an expert. The Tesseract, obviously, is, that's the cube thing, right? And the stone's inside the cube. Yeah. Uh, and they have yeah. to go back to 1970, right? Because um, they, 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 they mess up. Loki gets the Tesseract, oh, don't yes, they? Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, but how, do they, how is he going to put it back in the Tesseract, the, the, the cube thing? That's the I, other I, thing. Again, and th- this is why we need the TV series to explain these things. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just want to see a scene where it's somehow uh, politically correct of him inserting the ether back into Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess you read but, the synopsis uh, about that. Uh, Chris Evans inserts <laughs> into Natalie Portman. It's like, ah, <laughs> mm. not one to watch but, with the parents uh, this. But but uh, anyway, rated R Marvel Cinematic TV show <laughs> spin-offs aside, the big bugbear is I totally understand that, um, okay, Cap's gone back to drop them off, so ergo he must come back to this time for everything to come back to normal. And then we find out, and we called this, and everyone's called this, that he was going to go back to be back with, uh, back with Peggy, which is beautiful, again, a beautiful ending to Captain. Um, but uh, a lot of people bitching and moaning saying, well, that means he's called a splinter reality now this is the thing that jamie hannon said to me which absolutely blew my fucking mind and i've said this to everyone that i've seen since then and they've all kind of gone oh what happens if cap was always meant to do this and what happens if the husband that peggy refers to in, in winter soldier and the family she's gone on to have is cap and it's just that cap knows the importance of not interfering so he's decided to just live out his life and he's that you have two caps in the universe for a little while and that's it so just just on a couple of points on this one, because we, we called this, we said it would happen, and it was the perfect ending to Captain America until they do the six episodes on the, the Marvel uh, Disney Channel thing. Um, rated R. Yeah, rated <laughs> uh, <laughs> So obviously uh, Captain America goes back in, so that means he's going to be there when all of this stuff unfolds again and just basically sit there, admittedly, as an older man and do nothing. Um, which is completely against his character, right? That is true. So we need to get Ryan Johnson to make this. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. That's no, good. let's, let's, let's keep, it, keep it clean. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think but, the other point I wanted to make on that was um, I've completely gone blank now. But but I, I completely agree with you. It is against his character. He even says it in Civil War. I, some people can sit by it. I can't. Yes. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right from that from that perspective also ah I thought of it the chick that he kisses um, at some point Sharon Carter's yeah yeah his niece yeah so that's all of a sudden like yeah that's literally his niece that he's now like that's a bit awkward hey mate if if Game of Thrones can do it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, but that, that, that scene takes a different tone when you now go back and look at it right Oh my god, yeah, 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 completely, absolutely. (laughs) But um, I agree with your point, it's actually completely against his character. But two things from that scene, one, how heartwarming it is that Sam is the one who takes on the mantle. Uh, For those of you who don't know, in the comics, uh, there is a run where Captain America's soldier serum runs out and he becomes an old man, and he gives the mantle over to Sam to be Captain America, which, um, you know, spoiler alert, in the MCU there's going to be a TV show called uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Obviously, it now appears to be that, that TV show is all about how Sam becomes Captain America, like properly, because obviously he doesn't have a soldier serum. So, how's is he going to have a serum or is he just going to train in a different way? Who knows? And no. I have a feeling that if they do set up more Sam stories in the films, this TV show is going to fill that gap between Sam getting given the shield to Sam being Captain America. I, I mean, 
they sub- this this going back to Ryan Johnson. This is how you subvert expectations in a good way. I think everyone mm. had written Bucky in as the guy that was going to take the mantle. And I, I don't know oh, if, they, if that's what's in the comics, um, but there's always been the case that I've heard that Bucky was yes. going to be the guy that would take it on. And obviously what happens is he gives it to Sam and it's an excellent heartwarming moment. And Bucky kind of like is very much like aware of this is what should happen as well. Like he's almost like he knew. So it's almost like Bucky knew Cap was going back and not coming back firstly. And secondly that I don't know how he would know this, but it's almost like he, he, he knew that when he did get back, he would be then handing the mantle over to Sam and not himself. You know, just, the way that Bucky is yeah. in that scene. Yeah, there's kind of two things there, and I, I completely agree it does have an expectation there. A, because Sebastian Stan has like a nine-picture deal with, with Marvel and he still has time on that contract. Uh, two, there is a, again, just like with Sam, there is a run in the Captain America uh, comics where the Winter Soldier does take the mantle as well. But if you think about the narrative that they've built with Bucky over the last ten films, I suppose, is that the Winter Soldier has done some pretty horrible shit, right? He is basically responsible for some of the worst stuff in in history, um, if you believe some of the bits that they kind of allude to in The Winter Soldier when they give that, that montage of all these assassinations he's been part of. And there is something about redemption, and there's something definitely about that in Natalie's redemption, i.e. Um, Black Widow. Uh, by the way, shout out to the Black Widow crew who added me to this massive thread of people that are talking about stuff from now. I'm going to pull out some tidbits from that um, when we talk about Black Widow. But back to Bucky at the moment. Um, Bucky's character arc, although he has redeemed himself in terms of he's on the side of good, is he ever of true virtue to really hold the shield? And just to go off on a bit of a tangent here, when Cap does the oh my fucking god moment where he wields Milnir, now that is because he is obviously the best of us. He's even described by Ultron as God's righteous creature. And for... Um, in his scene where he catches up with his mum again and he has that pick-me-up moment of I am worthy and then that callback to in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron when it moves just a little bit. Um, a lot of pe- I read this amazing thing on Reddit that says why was Captain a- only able to move it a little bit in Age of Ultron but he's able to wield it and use all its power and obviously is worthy even to the point where Chris Hemsworth is like, I knew it. And um, <laughs> the, the, the sort of best guess of this is... Captain has always been worthy, but it was one thing holding him back. And the thing that was holding him back was that he knew, um, because he knew what happened in the Winter Soldier at that point, that Bucky is the person that killed Stark's parents, and he never come to terms with that and spoke to Tony about this. After the events of Civil War, when they've made up, he has, yeah, he has finally apologised for this. Because he even says, I'm sorry, he apologises for it. He, he, he basically makes uh, recompense with this, and he then, by default, becomes worthy to wield the hammer. So I thought that was an interesting uh, a, take from that. Yeah, that's a good take as well. Um, I, I just thought may, may, maybe Cap was just messing around, you know, back then. He was kind of like, he could have picked it up, but he's like, oh, oh, just can nudge it a bit. Can't quite pick it up, but could pick it up. Yeah. You know, just let let's him talk know. about that soon. Let's just talk about that right now. How, f- I mean, A, did you see this coming? And B, what was your reaction? So I, I didn't see it coming. Um and my reaction was this is fucking incredible isn't there a bit where he he kind of like spools it up and delivers an uppercut onto Thanos 
Um, it yes. was it's an absolute dope moment. Oh, it's quality. And Ford's reaction to it is amazing as well. Um, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> it's just so good. Because I think people have always suspected that this could happen. Um, I yeah. didn't expect it. I didn't foresee it coming at all. Because it, it's, it's like... Um, so Ford's in big trouble at that point, right? Uh, with, with, with Thanos, I believe. Um, I'm trying to remember oh. the actual moment. And then yeah, yeah, the yeah. hammer comes out of nowhere. I think it smashes Thanos as it's on its way through. Obviously, doesn't stop with four and continues into Cap's hands. Um, so it's kind of like a, uh, a blind um, arrival into the scene as well. Uh, mm. which which makes it perfect you know again going back to not wanting to go back to Star Wars again but they kind of um, that throne room scene in Star Wars where uh, Snoke gets killed they show the lightsaber moving and basically tells you everything that's going on there as opposed to just not showing that part and just showing the, the, what happens at the end of it so it's an actual surprise because it was a surprise because it came out of nowhere um, mm. yeah great moment great moment and uh, that I- proper fan service moment as well Oh, it was beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, like you say, that big battle was going on, and we'll, we'll talk about Four and his narrative in a minute, but uh, let's, let's talk, keep on with Cap at the moment. Um, when, like you say, Milnir just whacks the back of Thanos, and you go, who's done it? My first reaction was Vision. Somehow he's alive again, and he's able to wield it just like he did in Age of Ultron for that, for that scene. And then when it come back, and this is great cinematography, I've, I've seen it a couple of times now, and... They deliberately blur Captain for just a second. So when it's returning back, you can't see who it is. So that is when you have that heart in mouth moment of what the fuck's happening. And then it goes to crystal clearness and he retrieves it. And you just go, it's Cap. And then literally, four is the audience at this point. He is us. When he's just <laughs> sitting there with a big smile on his face and just goes, I knew it. And it was just, it was masterful. And like you say, that. 20 second segment where he is using Milnir and his shield at the same time it is literally giving us Cap's greatest hits in terms of his fighting style it is giving us all of the fan service and all of the different jokes and things of Cap is actually worthy and all this sort of stuff to to wield Milnir just as a bit of a hark back um, later on in that fight uh, Thanos really does cut up his shield oh my and the shield is very reminiscent of how exactly it looks in the vision Stark has in Age of Ultron, um, to the point where they deliberately made sure that it was identical. Again, it's all about foreshadowing in this, and not to go on a bit of a tangent, but Age of Ultron is a much better film in the light of this movie now, in my opinion, because not just the callbacks, but the subtle things. So in that vision where Tony um, looks up for the first time he sees that big thing flying over they deliberately mimic that in the the ultimate scene where and we'll talk about that scene oh that scene where it's literally every amazing character oh. charging towards helm's deep eat your fucking heart out mate this this is my bible mate this is the last supper this is the 16th chapel on screen this is beautiful and they mimic that thing flying over but instead of it just flying over to attack them you see all of a sudden that giant Ant-Man punch and it's just absolutely <laughs> beautiful. And again, it goes back to that narrative point of this was coming. Tony knew it was coming and he he tried his absolute best. Even, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, that scene, like right back at the start where Tony looks like drug addict oh Tony my God. and he's just like... Was that CG? Sorry to cut in. Was that CG? Yeah. Uh, incredible. I, incredible. I don't know. I don't know. But like you say, he looks so so weak and just gauntless and just uh, 
and yeah, I was there thinking, oh no, they've not taken him and made him into like the the PTSD bitter survivor sort of character because that's not particularly cool. Thankfully, he gets over it, and, and what a way he gets over it. I mean, again, another gut punch. Five years later, oh my god, and um, he's got a kid. So at that point, because obviously we spoke and we we both agreed that we thought that um, Iron Man would sacrifice himself because it made logical choice that it'd be him and not Cap. Then the kid's there, and to yourself, you're like, surely not. But deep down, you know now they've just basically upped the stakes on what Tony's going to have to do. Yep. And also, it shows that, again, when it comes to snapping the fingers, Tony is the only one now, out of all of them, he's the only one you can 100% guarantee he will not reverse the previous snap in terms of reverse the snap and we'll just pretend it never happened and we've gone back five years if the glove even has that power but you know everyone else would be tempted to do that everyone yeah. else has had stuff yeah um hawkeye would love to be just back with his family uh hulk would do it so that it doesn't kill nat you know there, there'll be lots of other ways that everyone has got a different motivation to to erase the last five years tony stark's the only one who you know he will never do it he even says it he even says it he goes, I will help you, but there has to be 100% certainty that nothing happens to Morgan. And that's the only way it could happen is if he was the one who snapped it. I also kind of thought it was interesting because he was the only one that really had something to lose at that point. Everyone else's life had kind of was worse for what happened. And mm. in, in, in some way, Tony's life was not. He, he'd kind of moved away from being Iron Man for the first time in... 10 years as it would be on screen I, I don't know if it would be 10 years as well in real terms as well probably 15 actually thinking about the five on top um, he'd settled down and he'd had a kid he was the everyone else kind of had not really moved on with their lives and were really struggling with everything still and Tony had kind yeah, of separated they, himself um, and in yeah. that moment Tony's literally sacrificing everything uh, and he was the only person that really had anything to lose hmm yeah, no, completely agree. Even that, I mean, that scene between him and Pepper, uh, it was a really touching scene. And by the way, who the fuck figures out time traveling in an afternoon like that? Makes you feel really inadequate. <laughs> but uh, where she says, like, we got lucky. We found happiness. Not many people have. And if we've got a chance to bring happiness back, then we've got to take it. But not, I think the only, like, Pepper Potts was just like, yeah, just go do it. Where, like, Stark was the only one actually saying, well, we need to make sure that we don't erase our kid in this process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that was the, the, the clear point, wasn't it? And I think that was really clever. Clever. I think it was a, a really good idea to give Tony that. Because, like you say, at that point, uh, he's not reverting back five years. He's, he's, he's got a child, and now that's his first focus, isn't it? Her. Mm. I've got some uh, filmy facts from a bit of research for this, so um, yeah, I'll drop one of them now. You know the I Love You 3000 thing that he had with his kid, which everyone's now taken as like the, the hallmark of saying to Marvel, thank you, which yep. is very touching. That is out of a real-life example. That's uh, what Robert Downey Jr. Uh, saying he had with his kids when they were growing up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, he he obviously helped a lot of the production and the script and all that sort of stuff and uh, it's genuine like it was just a genuine thing it's a thing that he used to say of his kids so uh, you know that's that's really touching really I thought that was really sweet it's it's a, it's a nice touch isn't it personal touch yeah a nod and, to them you know, 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, the following scene is, you know, we get that scene where he's back with Captain America and he gives him that shield. Wasn't what I was expecting in terms of the, uh, you know, it was kind of like a, yeah, right, we're mates again. Yeah, right, we're all good, bro. Anyway, here's a shield. By the way, sorry about that whole, you know, me hating you because you knew who killed my parents thing. Anyway, fuck it, let's move on. And uh, they wanted to just move on from it very quickly as well. And uh, that, I suppose, just ties us back into rounding off with, with Captain America through his arc. So we've talked about the time travel stuff. We've talked about, obviously, Milnir. Let's talk about Captain America fighting Captain America. <laughs> so good. Such a cool scene. It's the bit... Uh, sorry, I, I can do this all day. And, and just... Yeah. And just his, his reaction's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the bit where... I mean, by the way, Paul Rudd. Oh my like, god, he's so good. He he is so good, and I hope he is around forever. And um, that scene prior where he just goes, "I think is a great ass. I think of it as America's ass." <laughs> and um, then after he's beaten himself up, and he's just like, and he, uh, no one's no one's brought this up yet. He trolls himself. He does. He knows his his relationship with Bucky is kind of weird, like borderline obsessive. And the way he's just like, "I oh, know it will fuck him up." Bucky's still alive. What? <laughs> what? What? How do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is, yeah that is a good ass. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very good. Paul, Paul Rudd um, is, is a vampire, right? Oh, my God. Like, how is he able to, to A, be, be that youthful, but also just that, that happy with life? I watched an interview with him. He'd done an interview of Odeon recently. He owns a sweet shop in uh, New York and he's thinking about opening up one in London at some point and the, you know, fair play to the, the person doing the interview she bought a bunch of sweets for him because she knows he's proper big on his sweets and he sat there and went have you got Percy Pigs? and she's like yeah he goes oh I love Percy Pigs uh, from Marks and Spencer and he just sat there the whole interview just eating them with such joy on his face what's his take like, on the, wish- the, the fact that they're now vegan? Uh, I, I don't know I think this was recorded prior to that but, we, we, uh, we might have to find but, out we may, maybe maybe let's get the, the bat signal out to him Paul Paul how do you feel about Percy Pig being vegan um, but uh, yeah but I suppose where I was going off on that was I, I hope I'm 50 and I'm that joyous about eating Percy Pigs and also just fucking hell being that good at 50 that's incredible <laughs> but um, that scene with the whole the whole uh, captain beating up captain was such a callback obviously <laughs> to the character but also I mean also Chris Evans like fuck dude like it's been a long time since that film and you haven't aged a day neither but the callbacks to all the different characters from the MCU I mean we've got they got um, what's his name Robert Redford to come into this and somehow like it fits with the universe and that scene again where he's back in the lift and he's surrounded by those guys in the exact same outfits, positions, and tone of what he was in the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah, we were all expecting him to say, does anyone want to get off? And no, because he knows they're all Hydra. And to go off a comic tangent, um, recently there was a controversial run in Marvel where they decided to do a series of comic books where the narrative was Captain America was always a double agent for Hydra. And there's an iconic shot in that of him saying, how Hydra? And it's literally a callback or a call to that or homage I suppose to that run with him leaning over and saying it like that because it's, it's almost like a panel for panel shot um, beautiful what did you think about the, the callbacks in that in that whole battle of New York callback uh, the, the, it was one of my favourite parts in the movie is when they, they, they're there and Hulk comes crashing through and uh, <laughs> Uh, current time Hulk, um, intelligent Hulk, um, is like, oh, here we go, kind of like that. 
Oh, okay, I'll start smashing stuff. Oh, it's crash. Uh, it was just, I loved it. Hulk, I've never been a massive Hulk fan. I, I put mm. it out there, just never really got on board with the character. He was one of my favorite things about the movie, is, was his character. Um, and just that opening little bit there. Um, especially, I'm going to go off on a massive tangent here because I want to get this in here. But um, maybe my favorite scene in the movie is in the diner. And the kids coming over and asking for a photo, and that whole thing with Hulk and uh, Ant Man, uh, that that whole scene is just <laughs> hilarious. I loved it. It's the slow dab. It was the it's slow the dab. Slow the dab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I, it. it was cool going back. Um, I, they handled everything so well. Um, Mm. And you, 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 you said that you were looking forward to seeing how they were going to be able to do these, these kind of going back to to New York, and I, I, I think that they nailed it. Um, just out of I interest, took when? so much. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I took so much fucking heat for saying I hope they go back to um, the Battle of London. Like the amount of people saying the fall of the Dark World fucking sucked. Why would anyone want to be reminded of that? And I, <laughs> I feel so vindicated by that because a, I don't think the film was actually that bad. Yes, yeah, you know, it's definitely bottom tier Marvel, but still, we're talking about an amazing pizza shop here where every pizza tastes pretty damn good still. Yeah. And. Um, and this is such an important narrative point because they literally go back to scenes from For the Dark World where A, he gets that moment with his mum again, which is an amazing, beautiful character arc. Uh, Natalie Portman is is in this film to the point where they put her on the screen at the end. Yep. Even though she has said, you know, fuck Marvel, I'll never go back to that sort of stuff. But you know what? When it's the mouse paying the money... It, I, I think uh, and also to be fair she's probably moved on in her life a little bit she's got married she's had children since then there's a very good chance that at least one of them is a massive Marvel fan so they've probably been like going, oh mum you can go be back in that you've got to do it the mouse gets so, yeah, what the probably- mouse wants really isn't it Exactly, the mouse owns the house, and uh, yeah, the importance of going back to um, for the dark world actually was really relevant to this film. But back to your your Hulk points, man. I, I completely agree with you. It's something so charming. He has a narrative. They do dodge a couple of things. We 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 spoke about this in our bank holiday special. We think that the whole Natalie, um, sorry Natasha um, Hulk relationship felt a bit shoehorned. It was a bit like, eh, do they? Do they regret this now? And the fact is, they never really reconciled. They never no. really get get back back together at all. No. And uh, even though they've had five years of being in the same you know proximity to each other, instead uh, Banner goes back into the. He's yeah. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how he describes it, but he says, "I go back into the lab, and I realise that." actually I was fighting against the Hulk but it turns out that we could be the best of both and and here we are one mind one body and um, I couldn't un- I didn't understand if they were trying to say that he's lost a little bit of his intelligence for sake of having Hulk around and Hulk's lost a little bit of his brutality to have the the smartness around because when they were doing the scenes where they were doing the trial time travel stuff it's almost like they're trying to say, is he this uber genius they need him to be? I suppose they needed to narratively do that because they needed a reason for Tony to come back yeah. being to be able to help make the machine. Yeah, because that, that was it. It was kind of like he was a bit more of a bumbling genius at that point as opposed to being an actual genius, uh, which certainly yeah. felt like they dumbed him down from where he was in Ultron, for sure. Like In Ultron, it, it was very apparent that he was on a par with Tony. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. What did you think about about? Let's go with Black Widow for a moment. 
how do you how do you think about her narrative? Where do you think they could potentially go? Uh, even though I know she's dead, but the reason why I say that is because there is a Black Widow movie in the works at the moment. And uh, yeah, just what what's your take on her arc? Because she was kind of left on the side. She was. In War, really, I fell for her a bit. Um, I think that I think they bung bung bungled a, a character a bit. Um, ultimately, once she got there with Hawkeye uh, for the Soul Stone. The fact that they were going to bring Hawkeye's family back, they could not kill Hawkeye. <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of like an inevitability that she was going to be the one to sacrifice herself. Um, but it didn't get a moment to settle after that. You know, they, mm. they, they travel back and it's like, we've got to get on with stuff now. Because um, it's almost like they, they all come back. Hawkeye looks sad. It's like, oh, where's Natasha? It's like, yeah, uh, no, no good news here. Um, oh, we better get on with like clicking our fingers now and um, getting everyone back. And it's like, <laughs> are we not? No moment here. No moment at all to kind of like really think about that. You know, and like you say, even Hulk Banner doesn't show any raw emotion in that. They're all obviously no. sad, but kind of like, oh, if you'd lost a cat. You know, like ah, oh, <laughs> another cat's dead. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like it kind of they made her feel like a secondary character in in this movie, um, and I think that's a shame. Um, I, I I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with this movie. I, I assume it's going to be a prequel. Um, mm. Which have they really done prequels before? I know they've gone back and done things, but they kind of all kind of works in. It, this feels like it'd be a standalone origin origins movie, if that makes sense. And they've never really done a kind of a go back origins movie. No, they haven't. And I kind of, uh, first of all, I completely agree. I think, she, first of all, amazing character, amazing character arc. If, you know, back to that point about half hour ago where I was saying about uh, she, she's done some bad shit in her life. And this is about her redemption just as much as everyone else's. This, and I'm not talking about this one film, I'm talking about from the moment she was introduced in Iron Man 2 right up until her conclusion as we're aware of at the moment. The fact that she's got a lot of red in her ledger and she wanted to get that out. And she went from being the, I'm the lackey assassin to actually a figurehead within this team to running the damn organization. For five years, she was in charge of the Avengers, you know, for, for whatever they were at that point. She was the one holding the Skype conferences between Captain Marvel and Rocket and all that sort of stuff. She's the one who is the leader. She's the one who brings a lot of the team together. And the, she was very underserved in her death to the point where like you say it's just that everyone's sitting around the lake for 30 seconds although I'd like to think that that bench that the Hulk throws is actually the bench that Cap ends up sitting <laughs> on <laughs> yeah yeah. you know what I, I'd completely forgotten they had that, that scene where they're around the, 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 the lake I'd completely forgotten about it uh, which is how much it resonated with me um, the one thing I thought about her death scene was it all felt a bit kind of I don't want, it wasn't over the top it was just kind of I, I felt it was wrong I think they could have done it better than the, those two trying to fight each other to be the one that sacrifices because yeah. although they're both heroic characters Hawkeye had so much to lose and I don't think they, they made enough point of that it's almost like that they should have had that realisation though they're standing on the cliff together um, yeah. and they're kind of like neither of us can do this um, and yeah. then basically she basically then does it out of the blue like whispers something to him uh, about his family and then just goes jumps and it's like yeah. it's too late for him to do anything um, yeah, instead of this agree. whole kind of little fight scene because I just kind of think it detracted from the gravity of the moment that was going on there yeah definitely um, in earlier versions of this script it was going to be Hawkeye 
um, believe it or not, and that was that's coming from the Russos themselves. And uh, they sat down with their other producers and writers, and one of the comments back uh, was, "Don't take this away from her. Uh, this is her sacrifice. This is her family." She even uses the word, "This is my family. You've yeah. got your family, and you're willing to kill for them. And this is my family, and I want to. I. This is what I have to do. Don't." And essentially, as a character device, they didn't want to take that moment away from her. They do undercut her by the fact that, like you say, hardly anyone actually mourns for her, um, which is you know, a, a crying shame. It should, have, in all honesty, it should have been a joint funeral between her and uh, Tony at the end. Oh, you know, yeah, realistically. it would have been really difficult but, uh, to handle, wouldn't it? Because then, the thing is, then, then you've got the difficulty that look, to- Tony is the biggest star in this show. You know. Oh yeah, uh, true, true. And I, I still even think if they had a, the, the, the funerals together, it was still probably f- not worked. They were in a difficult situation with with her dying at that point, um, and how to handle that. Mm. Um, and maybe they've had they they have made the best of what was ultimately a, a very difficult situation. Bearing in mind what true. would come in the movie. True, and hopefully, you know, you know, so this is not the last time we're going to see Scarlett Johansson in the role. Um, so yes, there is a movie in the works. It is believed to be a prequel. Uh, it's got some interesting cast choices already. David Harbour has been cast in this film, um, as well as oh, I can't remember her name, but uh, the woman who played Paige in that uh, biopic about Paige, the wrestler. Okay, um, she is also going to be uh, in this film in some size, shape, or form. A lot of people are guessing as a younger version of Black Widow, but but who knows? Um, but I I'm, I'm really liking this idea of Captain America turning up at Volmir oh yeah. first of all seeing seeing Red Skull having yes. a conversation with him which would be fucked up and then pushing him off <laughs> pushing him off <laughs> returning the Soul Stone somehow getting Natalie back and it's a combination of Natalie figuring out how to f- get the fuck back to Earth and it's flashbacks to because they have led some breadcrumbs in this uh, the scene where Red Skull appears in front of Hawkeye and Natalie and says their names and who their fathers were and Natasha turns around and says, "I didn't know who my father was." Yeah, you know, I say I, I can't remember the exact yeah, lines, yeah, yeah, but yeah. something along those lines, right? Which means it's similar to again. I don't want to use the Last Jedi example, but when they talked, when they they pulled those dice out because they know they want to put those dice in the Solo movie. This is their fluffy dice. This is their <laughs> okay. There's clearly going to be a callback to her father in the Black Widow movie. And yes, this is how we're going to connect those tissue, those movie elements. So it's part of the narrative that leads up to this point. That's what I, I my guess is anyway. It's yeah, a good that. shout. It's a good shout. Maybe her father will be something relevant, um, and that him not being around was due to something to protect her, or, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but um, yeah, I agree with you. Out of all the scenes in this film, uh, do you think? And again, you know. We've already said how much we love this film and how much we're sucking off Marvel for this. You know, so please don't think we're we're anti this film. But you kind of figured someone would have said, "Oh, by the way, who's going to get the Soul Stone?" Yeah, you've kind of drew the short straw here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of like they don't have any recognition that that until they're there, do they? Um, yeah, who, who, who? Yeah, but then and that completely underserves Gamora, right? Because she sacrificed. Well, she wasn't. She didn't sacrifice. She was killed uh, for this stone. And Nebula is in the team, so she knows how she you does. acquire this stone. So did she deliberately not tell them? She, or did she have? A, did she have issues with Natasha? 
Who knows? Were they were there a reputable kind of uh, relationship there? That it was like deep set problems. I do not know at all. I don't think so. They've never alluded to it. But it's interesting that Nebula had the knowledge that for you to acquire the Soul Stone, it is not just a simple case of reach and grab it. It is you need to sacrifice someone for it. It also has to be someone you love as well, which I kind of like the idea of Natasha, again, has spent the last 12, 15 years uh, learning to love herself. You know, she she ended up killing she's bit she's got a lot of red in her ledger and she wants to do some good and she's got this family that she absolutely loves and she loves the person she's become hence why self-sacrifice makes sense she's kind of she's given up that uh, she's she's done the thing she's wanted to for her family she loves that kind of makes a little bit of sense but it still kind of doesn't hold up when it's uh, you need to kill someone you love and you know she kills herself does that still count obviously it does in this world yeah that, that, actually, now you say that, that's quite a nice nod. Because th- th- this is what I was struggling with a bit, because obviously you have to sacrifice something you love, and they're like fighting over each other to throw themselves over a ledge, and it's kind of like it, you almost missed that point. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's nice that you basically pointed that out. It did feel like they literally just copy and pasted that scene from in, uh, Infinity War. They're going to be like, well, to be fair, we have just spent $20 million on having some of the best actors in the world share a set for 20 minutes. So um, we probably need to cut some costs. Yeah, we'll just take the exact same frames. That was when Gamora <laughs> dies. We'll just put Scarlett Johansson over it and said it'll be fine. Yeah. But how beautiful is that scene where Hawkeye wakes up with the Soul Stone? Like that shot of him Us. rising up, holding it. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you've still got the issues of his his hair, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's a really good emotional scene because obviously he wakes up, she's not there, he knows what's happened, but he's got the stone at the same time, and it's kind of like that acceptance coming over him that he now needs to get on with the job in hand. Yeah, it's like this is the mission, and I am absolutely, I do not agree how this has happened, but. I need to respect what she has done by completing the mission. And, uh, yeah, you, you get that vibe, the vibe from that. The opening scene for this movie was the one with Hawkeye and his family, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, what a cold open. Oh, my like, God. What a tonal piece there. Oh, my God. That that got me the feels, mate. Um, he's there, obviously, with his family, with his daughter. And then yep. she goes to go get a ball, of, I think the baseball or something, and then she's gone. And he's like, right, where are you? Calling out, calling out. And then he looks over and then obviously his wife and his son, uh, his son is gone as well. And it's just, yeah, horrible uh, was the way that I cut, cut that, that yeah. moment where you have no idea what's happened. But all you know is that something terrible has just happened and your family's gone. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree with you. First of all, I like the little nod that he's under house arrest. And yes, people have gone, how can you be under house arrest? And he'd be out having a picnic. He's actually having a picnic in his back garden. Yeah. Like he's only, he obviously must have a perimeter that he must adhere to and he's, st- he's sticking to that perimeter. Um, another little filmy fact, the girl who plays his daughter in this is actually one of the Russo's daughters. Uh, that's like one of the first ever film roles um, and and what I really love about this scene is that if you think back to when everyone started turning to Ash and you think back to we spent ages talking about this in our Infinity War special about the scene where Spider-Man is slowly uh, turning away and the emotional weight behind that and Tony Stark saw that unveil in front of him now for Hawkeye 
He just turned around and like you say, that's it. Dust in the wind, gone. Didn't see any of it. And that has fucked him up to the point where he has basically spent the entire time going around the world being the Punisher and uh, taking out anyone who survived the snap who wasn't worthy of being around anymore. And it made him a serial killer. It put a ton of red in, uh, red in his ledger all of a sudden. Yeah. he's become The irony is that he's become the opposite of what Natalie has evolved to being. Natalie went from being yeah. a cold-hearted killer for hire with the Soviet Union to become a saviour, working with a government agency doing the better for people, where Hawkeye went from someone who works in an agency doing the best he can with his skill set to help people to basically being a cold-hearted killer going around the world. Who had the worst haircut? Him or um, Captain Marvel? Oh, yeah, I've got to say, that wig does not did not work. Um, although, don't get me wrong, it's very iconic, the Captain Marvel look. And yes, you're trying to say this is her in her prime. Um, but I've got to say, Hawkeye is a dad mohawk, which some people are loving. Some people have got a, a soft spot for it. It's floating their boat. But yeah, part of me was just maybe just because I'm a, I'm a parent now. And I'm just like, you've got kids, man. You look like a fucking weirdo. Mate, this, this is exactly it. We, we, we are fathers. Could you imagine if we turned up like with that, that haircut? Like, like there, there is a dude at work that's got his hair similar or a, a mohawk in his 40s. And every time I see him, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what is going on here? Most people would go buy a fast car, but you've done this. <laughs> yeah, and the amount of people that have posted up photos of him with his, his sleeve tattoo. Which oh, God, I've, cringe. You know, I've got nothing against tattoos. We've both got tattoos. Yes. I've got a sleeve myself. And I'm just like, you know what? I've got nothing, nothing issues with that, but it's the it's the hair, it's the look, and people keep posting up the same caption of "So how's the divorce going?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is that, it is that. But um, let's talk about uh, more of the time travelly stuff. So also, th- this film was an opportunity to revisit some of the greatest scenes within the Marvel Cinematic Universe history, and one of the scenes in particular, I thought, was works on so many levels, and that is the scene where we get to see our boy Peter Quill again, and that is the iconic opening moment of Guardians of the Galaxy where we hear Come and Get Your Love uh-huh. being blasted out for an IMAX speaker and him dancing through a poor, you know, basically a horrible obstacle course of death to get the Power Stone. Now when we have uh, Nebula and Rhodey turn up and see that scene, we see it from their perspective and how funny is it when oh it's just people going, come and get your love. Oh my <laughs> god, it's so good. Mumbling it in the background. It's so good. You absolutely are there's so many wonderful scenes in this movie. I almost forgot about this one. And now you say it's so vividly there. It's wonderful. It's so funny because obviously he's deliberate. I, I mean, I, I just assume that Chris Pratt could probably sing that song well because Chris Pratt does pretty much everything really well. Uh, but he, he's singing so tone deaf, mainly because obviously he's got his headphones in and he's blaring it out. So he probably has no idea how badly he's singing this <laughs> song at this point. It is, it is really funny to see it, like you say, without the, the track being blasted over the top. It's um, oh, genius. It's, it's just glorious, absolute gloriousness. Um, so, obviously, that's going on. And then we've got uh, Nebula. And now I I appreciate some people like, oh, that's, that's a bit shit writing. I, I quite liked it, the whole concept of Nebula from the past and Nebula from our time in the film anyway, uh, share the same neural network, which means there's weird tom jiggery going on and they can find out and thanos uses this as a mechanism to learn about everything that's happened here i've got a couple of issues with thanos in this film Mm. one i first of all got a compliment on the fact that he becomes like in the start of infinity war he very much sees himself almost like a prophet 
like I arrive, I am destiny, you know, I, I am here and all this sort of stuff. And you can see how he, he believes in that self-belief so much that he, he's like a religion. He even says, I am inevitable to, you know, that amazing counterpoint of, yeah, but I'm Iron Man and, you know, clicks the fingers. Yeah. And he is so fucking tough in this film. Why did he even need the stones? Thank you. Um, Thanos leveled up in this movie. Like, he was beating the shit out of Iron Man 4 and Cap without any of the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was basically doing business over there on his own without this, with his massive, massive sword. Um, yeah. It's like... he, And then, obviously, he has um, a moment with Captain Marvel, who's obviously basically Superman. Um, and although yeah, there's a... They, they, they do have a Superman problem with her. They, they really do, um, which is basically that she's not likable in the slightest. Um and that's the, that she's the only person that gives him any any problems because obviously he goes to headbutt her and it's like nope uh, but even then he kind of handles business still um, yeah yeah it was, it was crazy um, I thought that Thanos My, was like obviously he'd be tough strong etc etc but he he throughout the movies it felt like he was getting other people to do his bidding so he could just have the Infinity Gauntlet and then just basically wreck shop but in this film he like you say he somehow is able to overpower them all the only thing that I will say to try and in defence this I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm a sad person like that is that I think it goes to show just how Thanos was always going to win in Infinity War to the point where even without those Infinity Stones he is a formidable opponent to say the least he can take them all on and when he has these Infinity Stones on, he never wears his armour again. In fact, he makes a big ceremonious thing uh, on the Ragnarok ship where he takes the armour off and he never wears it again. In fact, the only time you ever see that armour again is where he makes a scarecrow out of it yes. on his home and uh, on that thing. So I think the whole concept is, is that Thanos is so much powerful. They were always out of their depth. They were never going to beat him. And uh, I, although I still think my favourite scene in Infinity War now is where, even though they kind of undercut it, uh, but you saw it in the trailers, loads, is when he is fighting Captain America and he actually has to try a little bit. And uh, he has a shocked face of, oh, you're actually quite tough, and then punches him and then that's it, he's over. So <laughs> that's my only defence is that Thanos in Infinity War is so uber powerful that he never really needs to even try. Yeah. And with the Infinity Stones, all he has to do is just basically wave his hand. Where at least in the 2014 version of Thanos that we see in this film, this is him in his prime using all his tools and strengths to his ability uh, to, to get the job done, I suppose. Um, he even wields an Infinity Stone for a second. He, the only way you oh, can yes. take down Captain Marvel is to quickly grab the Power Stone and use it to that's right. punch Thank him in the you. head. Yes, yes, that's how he does overpower. So basically, he does overpower her by using a an Infinity Stone. Um, yeah. Just going back to the obviously the start of the movie, first ten minutes in, um, the Avengers are like right, let's go basically wreck shop on um, Thanos. So they go find Thanos on his uh, country retreat. Retirement farm, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and they get there, and um, he's obviously like, <laughs> too late. I've already destroyed everything. Um, and then he gets beheaded, and I'm like, hang on a minute, what just happened here? And I was kind of like thinking, is this movie ten minutes long? Is this it? Um, I didn't see it. Now I, I don't know if, if everyone else was kind of like, well, obviously had to die. I, I didn't realize that that was the movie. That basically, the, um, that was effectively the end of 
Infinity War right there before we got into Endgame in many ways. Um, I, I, I didn't... I didn't see it coming. Apparently the snap was going to be in the first part of Endgame, but then they sat down and and toyed with the idea of what happens if we kill half the universe and we let everyone rest on this for 12 months. And they said, no, you can't do that. And they go, why not? And they fucking did. They had to. um, If they did it the other way, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't. The the build for this movie wouldn't have worked. The anticipation that built over 12 months because of that, 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 that snap... It just—it's madness that they were even thinking of going against that. <laughs> well, now I suppose, yeah. But I suppose at the time it was very much like, can we do this? Should we do this? But they, you know, boldness, uh, fortune favors the bold, and it fucking works. Thank in God this for case. that. Whoever, whoever was suggesting to go the other way should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Ryan Johnson. Well, uh... He was around there at that time, wasn't he? He <laughs> just walking past. <laughs> yeah, I got, hey, guys, got an idea. <laughs> Yeah, right. We'll put it up on the fridge. Um, but uh, but I agree with you. That scene where right at the beginning, where it's basically they've they've invaded Thanos' house, and he's he's been his victory has defeated him already. He's got his arms all busted up from destroying there. Which again, I suppose they've done this on purpose now to kind of say, by the way, if you use this too much, it really does fuck you up. And um, you know, again, to leave those breadcrumbs for how eventually it will kill Tony. But uh, yeah, I was just like, I went, oh well, that's Thanos dead. Yeah. That's it. Bye, Josh Brolin. And because uh, I generally thought it would be okay, they'll figure out a way. But obviously, Thanos, and we even saw him in the trailers. And I, at that point, I completely forgot that Thanos is in the trailers. And like, you see scenes of him, which is obviously 2014 Thanos. So I was just like, wow, they've just decided to, to that's it. He's done. Yeah, they're no, just going to try and reverse yeah. it. And there's, there's no enemy anymore. No. But uh, no, we we got him. And uh, I mean, let's let's talk about it again. The the Helm's Deep. Uh, beta uh, literally every character in the cinematic universe on screen charging towards a battle like none other uh, you know, what was your your take on this scene um, it's what we all wanted it's, it's what we all wanted yeah. the only problem with this was that um, I watched it Thursday before Game of Thrones on Monday um, and basically having watched this before Game of Thrones it was always going to be a case that Game of Thrones wouldn't be able to live up to it so that was the only shame that I had that I didn't get to watch them the other way around. Uh, but um, it was quality seeing all of those characters coming back. That moment when they do come back, because at that point, so obviously Thanos is there with his army. They're all here. Everyone's here, and it's like, oh shit, it's all going to shit big time here. Everything's fucked. Um, I think at that point, like Cap's down. It, it, this is after his shield's been properly busted up. I think everyone's feeling a little bit like we were in big trouble here um and then yep. out of kind of the, the the despair the orange glowing portals start to open and then step through your favorite characters and they're back and it's just wonderful i think first of all yes okay people will say it's just a big cg fest who gives a shit but it's not just that it's something so much more and again it's that love letter to the mcu the fact that when first of all you're thinking fuck is this how cap's gonna go this is how he's gonna die isn't it he's gonna die trying to buy time defending us all while they try and run away of the infinity gauntlet again and uh you know he's standing there and first of all i love the way he straps his shield back up yes and it's like he's geeing himself up just to say you know what i can take on the whole fucking empire myself (laughs) and then you look across and it's just a sea of adversities and you're just like he's he's not going to make this and then again perfect writing on your left 
first time he met Sam was when he was running past him in Captain America Winter Soldier just to say yeah. on your left it's that it's you learn so much in those, those those words of I'm here I've got your back we're doing this together and then all of a sudden these little portals one by one popping up and then Andrew Statrilli's um, Avengers theme tune starts playing but it's a completely different version it's one that's been written for this scene and it swells and it swells and it swells and as it's building towards and they're charging towards all of a sudden you see that look on Cap's face of I am going to fucking do this and then it's building and building and building and he shouts Avengers and the thing is though you think about the first film was called Avengers Assemble at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron he goes to say Assemble but he never says it because yeah they cut it off just at that point because probably because Josh Whedon's like I can't make a film not cheesy and this is really fucking cheesy if I do it that way (laughs) and he actually says those words for the first time in the film just as the cinematic is swelling up and that, that sound is coming in it is it's perfection, mate. Like I, I literally cannot say any more than it's pure perfection. Also, when Iron Man is just... Uh, not Iron Man, sorry. Ant-Man or Giant Man is swelling through Avengers HQ and he's holding Little Hulk yeah. and just popping him down <laughs> and then just punches that flying alien. Yes. Oh, it's, it's just glorious. It's, I'm really looking forward... Because I've only seen it the once. I'm really looking forward to seeing this back because I, I, there's no way I would have been able to kind of see everything in that battle. It was so rich and full of characters um i liked the little bit where uh, gamora um is 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 with quilt and um <laughs> she obviously knee <laughs> shots him twice um and then says to nebula this guy because of course she's never met him up to this point and it's like it's just so well done just little things like it's that. him or a tree <laughs> But um, back to that that point you said about all those characters swelling in. Uh, another another filming fact for you. Um, there is another Marvel character who George Lucas actually introduced that has been peppered in the MCU. James Gunn has got a real affection for this guy. Howard the fucking duck is in that scene. No, he's not. Is he? He is. Uh, he's, yeah, you know in Guardians of the Galaxy... Because he's in that, he isn't he? Up yeah. In, yeah, he pops up in this. He's one of the characters oh that's lining up. There's a little Howard the Duck. There's a Howard the Duck. Unbelievable. Officially, he is a hero in the MCU. That's, that's yeah, George the- Lucas must be watching that. Going, that's my guy. That's my guy. I told you. I told you he was the right character for the movie. <laughs> it's paid dividends some 30 years later. Uh, exactly exactly right we're, we're an hour in and we've not talked about the big guy quite literally for uh, a lot of people have issues and reservations with his treatment of the, of his character and to be honest i did until i saw this film again and i'd done a little bit more reading on the subject first of all though just what's your initial reaction to i don't want to say fat for let's call him schlubby for uh the the, the dude yeah um I, I loved it because um, everything like I said it, like I said with Chris Pratt everything that Hemsworth does is glorious as well um, he's got some proper comedic chops on him uh, timing yeah. delivery I love it I love it I love it the first time you see him in New Asgard it's um, it's great um, he's there with um, and now I'm not good on the characters from Ragnarok uh, Korg Korg thank you and obviously they they, they got the uh, Fortnite reference in there because I think there was a whole uh, tie up with uh, that on um, Infinity War I believe last year yeah uh, I yeah. don't play Fortnite I'm, I'm far too old for that uh, but I, I was aware of the time <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it um, but I'm aware that 
other people didn't like it um, and how they handled his basically his PTSD because obviously um, they'd handled it really carefully uh, with um, Iron Man sorry Um, but with Thor they kind of made it a bit more jokey that he's become an alcoholic he's basically become a slob he's let himself go he's not dealing with this well Um, and I know there's one moment that people are really getting uh, their backs up about and it's when they go back um, and they are back in Asgard and they need to go get the, the is it the serum out of Natalie Portman um, and uh, Thor's having a, a breakdown yeah. and Rocket basically slaps him and tells him to snap out of it and people are like well look how badly they're handling um, mental health here what they're forgetting is that that doesn't help and Thor just disappears because he can't deal with it and it's actually talking yeah. to his mother. In fact, it's the conversation with exactly his yeah. um, that helps him get over this. Um, and I think it, it, people people like to pick faults with movies. They like to pick faults with everything. Um, I think it was really unfair to kind of be so critical, especially when you're not taking into account actually what did I want to say fix or mend for um, for this movie. Um, I love this character. Um, and obviously at the end mm. the uh, hopefully this is going to happen because obviously we are going to get Guardians 3 um, it is going to be Gunn again right yes Gunn is back Gunn is back yeah, is Thor going to be as in this? Guardians of the Galaxy yes as Guardians of the Galaxy because I need a movie where it's Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth together because um, I, I need this just that, that 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 for me I think I said uh, a year ago was my favourite part of Infinity War uh, was the uh, interaction between <laughs> those two and to get an hour and a half to two hours of those two basically interacting with each other is all I need yeah that buddy movie is uh, you know, to that point though just actually just a sidebar um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 just for the record I do not want the search for Gamora I don't want to watch that film of him just rehashing stuff from the first two films to win over Gamora I think that's a wasted opportunity um, I do love the idea of Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth just sharing the screen for an entire film I, Chris Hemsworth has apparently it's been reported over this weekend that he has been offered a two movie deal with Marvel because his contract did expire um, so that might be the 4-4 movie, that might be maybe a 4-4 movie and an appearance in a Guardians movie, who knows, um, but that's awesome. But I totally agree with your points about um, actually people are completely missing the point of why 4 is in this state and what it takes for him to get better. So reason why I brushed up against this to begin with though was not nothing to do with the fact that 4's of his size and all that sort of stuff none of that it's just that I generally think that fat suit comedy is the laziest form of fucking <laughs> yeah. like I, just, I just think it's just shit I just think it's just like oh right, great it's the nutty professor oh it's funny because he's fat like visually it, it's just it's just I, I just think it's I think it's lazy writing and I still think that um, but that being said some things I applaud him on one um, I applaud the fact that the reason how he gets better is not because someone told him to snap out of it it's because he needed that pep talk from his mum and he realised he was always worthy he just needed to be told he needed just that shining light and he had that amazing emotional moment with his mum I also was just like well obviously 
when he decides to sort himself out, it'll get shredded. And I reckon there'll be a funny scene where it's just like, a, what happened? Oh, I just done some press-ups in Asgard and, you know, I'm, I'm back to being ripped for again. He never loses the weight. And even to the point where when he he shines, and I only noticed this the second time, when he gets his armour back on and it's showing um, him putting his armour back on, his, his hair's braided. Yes. And it's braided in a very ceremonious way. It's almost to say that at your best, it means that you are presenting yourself for, to be the ultimate you, to be the best you, best version of you. And that doesn't mean shedding pounds. No. That means just presenting yourself in the way that you were meant to be. And this actually goes, and this is going to, apologies, this is a tangent this bit, but hopefully this will make sense. I hope anyway. This kind of epitomizes Chris Hemsworth's interpretation of four. When he first started playing this role, four was a Shakespearean fish out of water. It's comedy, but kind of not fantasy movie. The second movie, The Dark World, pretty much played upon that same thing. Josh Whelan did not know how to use this character. It was a Buffy character. It was a, he's funny, he's English-sounding, let's just make him, oh, it's all prim, proper Shakespearean dialogue. To the point where after Age of Ultron, Chris Hemsworth sat down with Kevin Fargy and said, I am not enjoying this. This is, I am grateful. I am so grateful, but this is not me as an artist. This is not what I want to be. And they took a minute to think about where to go with four from that point onwards to the point where he wasn't in Civil War because they didn't know what they were doing with the character. And also, again, you kind of got a Superman problem of you can't have mortals scrapping it out if you can have someone like Thor come in and just fucking trump them all. So then they sat down and Chris Hemsworth went off and made that Ghostbusters movie and he started doing more comedic stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That aside, he's funny in the film. He's a funny guy. (laughs) And um, they said, right, okay, you know what? We'll do an experiment. We'll let Taika Waititi pitch and we'll let you pitch and produce... And all of a sudden, he's reinvigorated the character. He has made for his version of the character to the point where you could cut his hair, take away his hammer, take off his cape, and he is still four. It doesn't matter. That's not what makes four. It's not the hammer. It's not the cape. It's not the muscles. It's Chris Hemsworth. And that epitomizes this character now in this story at this point. It is not the fact that he's shredded. It's not the fact that he's got Milner. It's not the fact that he's a living god. Four is four, and there's nothing you can take away from that. And that speaks to the sort of third act arc that each of these characters have been through. Think about Iron Man and Iron Man 3. Literally, he casts out his own uh, arc reactor to say, you know what, take away the... Even says the line, take away the suits, take away the gadgets, take away the tricks. What have you got left? I'm still Iron Man. And that's exactly what four is. He is still worthy. Doesn't matter about all that stuff. And I applaud him for doing that now, in hindsight, thinking about it. Yeah. No, it's, 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 a, it's a really, really good point. Um, plus, it gives us uh, mere mortals um, a cosplay option as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are happier doing a full cosplay all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden. But um, <coughs> I completely agree that um, with the interpretation, it's just that I, again, I'm just like fat suit comedy writing for me is just the fucking lowest of the low. Um, so, I think we've gone through the OG Avengers. Let's talk about the future because we're on, we're on one ten, and I'm sure we could we could go right up to the three hour mark if we wanted to. <laughs> yes. but I don't know if our listeners be happy with that. Um, so, where do you think they go from here? Now knowing what we know, now knowing where um, where we could potentially be going. Oh, um, I think that there's going to be a lot of eggs in that Spider Man basket. Um, he's the biggest star that really we have left. Um, taking into account, we no longer have. Um, cap we don't have iron man for um 
is obviously going to go do Guardians, and that's great, but that obviously probably isn't going to tie too much in where they're going to go with the uh, Marvel Universe at first. The, 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 what's going to be fascinating for me is that we spent, um, is it 11 years now? Um, yeah. 11 years to, 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 to building up with this constant threat of these Infinity Stones and Thanos, right? And that's gone. So how do they start again? Do they do they give you a new threat? Um, or is it just going to be um, each movie is going to kind of have its own individual va- uh, villain, which is risky because Marvel doesn't really do villains particularly well other than Thanos. Um, I'm fascinated um, to see because they don't make bad movies. And right now I'm like, what the hell have they got? Um, obviously, we're going to have another Black Panther mm. movie, um, which will be interesting. Um, the first one was obviously a massive success. I didn't particularly enjoy the last act of that. Um, my, my overall feeling about Black Panther was that uh, Michael B. Jordan should have been Black Panther. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the one time where you go, you know what? Fuck it. He can still be. He can still be king. Yeah, basically. He, he is so good in that oh, film. It's incredible. And it's such a shame they killed. It is because it's such a shame. This is this is it with with villains. The villains have to have a valid point to carry weight. To a certain extent, although Thanos wasn't just basically wanting to wipe people out for the sake of wiping people out, he had a reason behind his madness. He generally believed his madness. Yeah, he generally had a like you say, he had a reason to want to kill half the universe, and he was adamant on that. Completely. So agree. I have no idea where they're going. Is my answer, <laughs> which is <laughs> not really great well, podcasting. But uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, seeing the next Spider-Man movie I thought Homecoming was marvellous and I'm really looking forward to that Um, I'm guessing we're going to have a Captain Marvel 2 coming up at some point I haven't seen Captain Marvel uh, 1 yet but for the moments that I saw her on screen in this movie I'm not looking forward to it I, in the defence of that, um, I, I agree. I don't think she was particularly well utilised in this film. Uh, I think they spent a lot of time building her up in previous films, i.e. making her to be this beacon of hope. And then they realised, shit, this beacon of hope is literally too powerful. It's our Superman problem of she is just too powerful. Yeah. So we'll send her away again. And they gave her enough a narrative reason for that. You know, To be fair, the universe is a much bigger place and that she you know, was going to help out, which kind of makes sense. But... Um, she actually played Captain Marvel for the first time in Endgame and then went and filmed her film Captain Marvel. Now, she is up against people who have been playing these roles, for some of them, for the best part of 11 years. And it's fair to say that for anyone, that is a that is a challenge. And, she, and we're not used to her being in this role yet. We're not used to seeing how she evolves. If we think about how Chris Hemsworth was in the first four movie to how he conducts himself in Infinity War... He's had the best part of ten years to, to learn and grow into that That's role. Fair. She has not. She has not had that opportunity yet. And when you watch Captain Marvel, because I'm sure you will do at some point, and um, you will see that she has taken those learnings from Endgame, and she's she's she, she's really likable, and she's actually really good okay. in Captain okay. uh, Marvel. So I do recommend. Because um, anyway, uh, obviously, she, 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 it's her. Um her mannerisms are quite robotic, but that might be just because of what the character is. She is. I mean, like I say, she's basically Superman. And Superman, um, in any movie that I've seen, is always quite robotic in their their emotions and everything. But honestly, um, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated to hear what you've got, mate, because you are uh, speaking of big. You 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 are basically my Marvel guy. You're the guy that's going <laughs> to know and tell me where we're going with all of this now. 
So, yeah, you're right. Uh, they're definitely putting all their eggs in the Spider-Man basket. Obviously, the first film out the bat is going to be Far From Home. And it is going to literally take place moments after in terms of it's how they go back to school and go back to, to normal life. A couple of things, though, that's going to feel an echo through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're fast forwarded five years. How the fuck are they going to make school normal? Like, there's going to be half the kids of each year that survived. There's going to be half the kids of each year that didn't survive. So are they going to bundle them together? Is it now the year 2023? Or are they going to say the world's governments all met and just decided that it was 2019 again? Who knows? Um, that's a couple of little things they're going to have to, challenges they're going to have to write themselves out of. But yeah, Spider-Man is obviously the first one out of the bat. We know there's going to be a Captain Marvel sequel at some point. You do not make over a billion dollars uh, within the first month of being released and not get a sequel. Same for Black Panther. Uh, we do have a narrative of Doctor Strange to continue on with because he has his own lore that they need, they've started touching upon in their post-credit stinger uh, we've got the Black Widow movie all of a sudden uh, picking up steam and momentum it's got a cast it's got a director and now it's got probably more prominence uh, we do have a third Guardians of the Galaxy movie which is going to come out in 2021 because James Gunn is going to be making that Suicide Squad movie now that is six movies already that is already a phase of movies but they're also going to be an Asian predominant cast um of a character I can't remember the name apologies listeners but uh, we've talked about it in news a while back they've got that film in the works as well so that's seven and we don't know what else they're thinking of they're thinking of other ways to bring more diverse inclusive stories to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and this will continue and I do think there will be an Avengers at the end of that I think the five year time jump is very interesting I generally believe that the next Avengers movie will not be until 2023. Uh, I think it's interesting that a phase of Marvel movies tends to take four to five years. So I think we've got the next phase lined up and we're going to find out at Comic-Con in June this year. So um, yeah, it is it is interesting, but I think that's probably the direction it's all going. Yeah, I mean, obviously the fascinating thing with uh, Disney now, uh, who obviously own Marvel, is uh, the fact they own Fox, right? So yeah. we haven't even talked about the Fox acquisition yet. So exactly. obviously the elephant in the room is um, those X Men, right? Um, and yeah. how they could potentially figure in any uh, future Marvel setup. Um, it's, it's a shame that we're never going to get uh, an opportunity to have um, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. on on screen with uh, Wolverine. Um, his name's escaping me. Help. Hugh Jackman. Thank you. Yes, with Hugh Jackman, I think we we, we could add some um, excellent moments together with those. Uh, but obviously, sadly, we we will we, never get that. Uh, I don't think Hugh Hugh Jackman's got any intent on putting. Uh, what, what would you say? Putting on the claws again? <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I don't want him to come back from that perspective. Uh, if if it's too late because he's already like 48 or something. I don't want him to have a heart attack trying to get in shape for this role. And uh, yeah, it is a shame we're never going to see those worlds collide. I think it's interesting to hear what the plan is for X-Men. Like, I, I, I'm fascinated by this as well. And part of me is like, I, I can't help but try and write a narrative in this. Of It's interesting that the main purpose of the Infinity Gauntlet or the narrative of the Infinity uh, Gauntlet the Infinity Gauntlet was that there's tons of radiation that happens when it's used and that's what kills Tony Stark I think there's a world where the explosions caused by that causes mutations in the world and maybe that is how X-Men start appearing I don't know that's just Ooh. me thinking out loud but it's uh, actually quite it clever of a tie-in that. That, that would be a clever tie-in 
Yeah, uh, but um, that kind of goes... I mean, yes, we've got that Dark Phoenix movie coming out, a.k.a. it's the last film before Disney bought us. No one really cares anymore. But, um, I, yeah, and they'll recast Absolutely. all of them. Which is, Absolutely. Which is kind of a shame, because I think there's been some good casts in that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they will recast completely. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, re- they'll reboot it. It's been re- effectively... Well, it hasn't been rebooted. They've obviously come with the same arc, just merging it together quite cleverly. And like you say, they've had some excellent... Um, actors in that Fassbender um, and McAvoy have done a, McAvoy, an excellent yeah. job um, I think Sophie Turner Sophie, Sophie Turner yeah she took some pelters I think in the last one um, but I saw the trailer for the next one when I saw this and I've got to say it looked really good um, I thought the last one was a mess for what it's worth oh yeah god it's horrible you don't you get Oscar Isaacs hey one of the best looking men in Hollywood yeah. at the moment and you basically paint him but on top of that he's just like the whole thing of apocalypse in the X Men universe is one of the most. He's he's like their Thanos. Yeah, they right? spoil him in a, in a, in, yeah. a, in basically one one hour. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's ridiculous. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll save yes. that for the talk. There's going to be plenty of time to talk X-Men. about that, isn't it, mate? So <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And um, so we talked about the direction where it goes. Let's let's round this off with what was your favourite moments from this film? If we haven't already discussed <laughs> them, my favourite moments. Um, obviously, there's a lot of the battle scene stuff, which is excellent. But honestly, um, it's the it's the fun stuff because it's so difficult to do well as. Star Wars showed that basically putting humour into a movie is it's difficult it's really difficult um, and it's between the first time we see four um, and that uh, cafe scene uh, with uh, Hulk and Ant-Man and that, that genuinely had me it was so funny it was so funny just that interaction between them um <laughs> I know it's, it's, there's there's much better scenes in the movie, but I I those that's the one that sticks with me. It really does. Nah, that's, that's good, man. Like that's that's I think like, you've got three hours of story here, and you know, it's I don't think anyone's going to have the same same moments in terms of like oh, what's the the number one thing for you? I think for me, strangely enough, the one the scene that's kind of stayed with me the most is that whole 1970s scene where they go, well, sorry, sequence of scenes where they go back to, because if you think about that that area that of that time, there's so much going on here. That is where Captain America was technically born in terms of that was where they, they assembled him and gave him the serum. Yeah. That's where they go back in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, where... Um, they they find the evil Nazi soldier has somehow put his head in a in a computer, and um, and they they touch upon it all so nicely. It's also um, they also manage to get in a community Illuminati. I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Community. Um, yes, she uh, she's in the lift. She's in the lift with Cat. Yes, and apparently they filmed that scene two years ago, and she has not been able to tell anyone. <laughs> like imagine that for two years. You can say, oh, I've been in a Marvel movie. Yeah, you had to hold that to yourself. Uh, but the exchange between Tony and his dad, I thought, was just beautiful. The hug at the uh, end was excellent, wasn't how... it? Yeah. And the whole Jarvis thing as well. Like, I, I never watched the Agent Carter TV show, um, but I can imagine a lot of people are watching it right now. Yeah. And um, the fact that they got the cast in just for that bit, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And um, I also was there thinking, oh, they've actually paid tribute to the fact there's TV shows. Does that mean we're going to get Daredevil appear somehow? Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. But um, 
Got your hopes that whole up. narrative I thought was beautiful. There were so many, so many callbacks to some of the, the great scenes of these films. And uh, I think the funeral scene probably has the biggest impact on me as well. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone's uh, heard this in other pods or whatever, but just an FYI, the kid that everyone's going, what the fuck? That's actually the kid from Iron Man 3. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I think I asked you this, didn't I? Um, afterwards, I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah, and you were able to tell me then, yeah. Um, cool. Because obviously, um, he played a, a kind of an important role in a, in a kind of more minor side of things um, in that movie. Well, he had a definite impact on Tony exactly. Stark's life, so it's only, it only makes sense for him to be there. The only thing I wish I saw there was because they've kind of said Incredible Hulk, although that's... <coughs> um, although that is part of the cinematic timeline they kind of loosely allude to it they never really want to call it out in fact the only time they've ever called it out properly was when they got the colonel to come back and reprise his role in Civil War and you see him at the funeral there I would have loved it if they got Liv Tyler in there as an oh, ultimate yeah. surprise of Betty Hulk's actual first love is in this and she is here and Banner might actually have a glimmer for a normal life if that's even possible being Smart Hulk with Bessie being there but obviously they, they didn't do that and also apparently everyone was there for that scene nothing was edited in like they've managed to get 40 of the highest paid actors in Hollywood to all align the stars up and get them in one place at one time that's incredible in itself right? that is a heck of an achievement yeah, um, yeah. I, it's just this whole um, universe has been an incredible achievement and it's, it's through hard bloody work uh, to make this work because um, several movie companies have tried since and several all of them have failed um, it just shows that it isn't just a case of throwing f- popular characters together and it'll work it just doesn't work like that. Completely agree. Well, let's not cry because it's over. Let's smile because it happened. And uh, let's let's call it at 126. Um, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, we do a regular podcast. It drops every weekend. Uh, we talk about news, entertainment, general pop culture, that kind of thing. We play games. It's good fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, subscribe to it if you think that's something that would be of interest to you. Woods, thank you so much for this, buddy. How can people find you? Um, yeah, Um check us out on our podcast uh, a pot of two halves we, we talk about football um, we try not to talk about Manchester United all the time but it always comes up um, and you can also find <laughs> you can also find us um, on Twitter at um, pot of two halves uh, where you, it's mainly me which is mainly Chelsea stuff so if you're into Chelsea and Manchester United we're the guys for you there we go so there's nothing left to say except I love you 3000 and there's always proof that Tony Stark has a heart till next time we're down in the basement Lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.